slides all the way to the bottom. Do we feel that comfortable with God? Do we realize that the house is ours? That the playground is ours? That the world belongs to our Father? And our Father owns the capital and a thousand hills? The ministry of reminding is important these days because there is a ministry of social media, a ministry of public television, there's a ministry of movies and marketing that's out there constantly trying to remind us that we have to be afraid, that we have to be filled with anxiety, that we have to somehow worry. The Spirit's job is to remind us that the love of God is poured out in abundance and there's no lack. There's no lack in our world. For what we need to live has been given to the church and given freely. Some would say that the passage that we read from the gospel today is an odd passage, and in fact it's an alternative text for the Sunday of Pentecost in our lectionary. What an odd passage, because it's not actually describing Pentecost Sunday. It's not actually describing the Pentecost festival. So I, I need to help you down the track a little bit afraid this morning. In Jesus' time, there were three pilgrim festivals that were required for people to make a journey to Jerusalem or to some facsimile where they could offer a sacrifice before the Lord. Three pilgrim festivals were required. The first was Passover, to remember how God brought them out of Egypt and delivered them from captivity. And the second was what we are celebrating today, the Feast of Weeks. After seven Sabbaths, after seven cycles of seven, the Feast of Weeks was held, which came to be known as Pentecost, 50 days. And that was where the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, according to the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. So we have Passover and the Festival of Pentecost or Weeks. But there was a third festival at the end of the summer called the Festival of Tabernacles. And while the story of the Passover and Jesus' Last Supper has become important to Christians, and while Pentecost has become important to us because of the Spirit being poured out, in Jesus' time, the Festival of Weeks was a hoot man. It was a blast. This is where they brought the campers out, and they set them up, pitched a tent. They built literal tabernacles to remind them of God's sustaining presence because he brought them through the wilderness and he fed them with water. When he struck the rock at Massa and Meribah and water came pouring forth, he fed them with manna until they got so tired that they grumbled. And then he fed them with quail until they got tired of that and they grumbled. Then it was back to manna. But God sustained them all through the wilderness and he said when you go into the land, don't forget, don't forget that I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt, that I'm the one who sustained you these 40 years, and that I'm the one who will be with you when you go into the land. You will not conquer by the might of your sword, but by the word of God. And so they gathered in these tents for a whole week. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? It's time for the harvest, the harvest is done, it's time to go on vacation. 
laughter. And once a day, a priest would go down across Jerusalem and he would go to where there was living water pouring forth from a fountain. It flowed into the pool of Siloam, the place where Jesus healed the man who lay on his back for 38 years. And they would take a golden pitcher and they would bring that water back to the city while the priests were singing the psalms from the Hallel. And they would pour that water out before the altar. The water came, became for them a powerful symbol that God had provided for their harvest. That their birth, their silos and their grain bins were full. And as they poured out the water, they poured out their hearts to ask God to bring water for the next year. Save us from a drought. In California, we can really relate, can't we? Judy and I walked out last week into our front yard and we looked at our avocado tree, which had so bravely weathered the last 40 or 50 or 60 or 80 weeks. And there were thousands of little avocados starting to form all over the tree. Then we started looking around us. All of Southern California has stayed greener this year. All the plants are shooting up flowers I've never seen in five or six or seven years. The drought is ending. The water has been poured out. And in a dry and waterless place, no wonder it was so important for the people to come once a day for the whole week and to pour out their water libation before God. Bring us another harvest as we thank you for this one. And on the seventh day of the festival, the last day, they walked around the altar seven times and they carried large clusters of branches that were tied up. And they walked around and around and around seven times and then the water was poured out. And that's the moment when Jesus stood up in front of the whole gathered assembly and said, hold on, come to me. Not the altar, not the temple, but come to me. Whoever is thirsty, come to me. Whoever needs a drink, come to me. Whoever believes in me, I will become living water poured out for all of you. It must have been jarring for those who watched. The gospel writer remembers this later, and he inserts a parenthetical kind of editorial comment. Jesus was in fact speaking about the Holy Spirit, which would be given to him, to, to his believers. But it hadn't been given yet because Jesus himself had not yet been So the church has understood that the Holy Spirit is not just some special, soft feeling that we have once in a while when we look at a beautiful sunset. It's not the warm, cozy feeling that we feel when we have a child in our arms, a grandchild or a baby. That's called love, and it's appropriate. But the Holy Spirit is a very special gift to the world. And it was not given, according to the church's doctrine and beliefs, until Jesus had been raised to be with God. So from the Father and the Son proceeds the Holy Spirit. With a ministry of reminding the church that our life, our water, 
Spirit does its ministry. Now, John Wesley, I think, would have loved living in the computer age. Anybody here ever had a computer that you booted it up and said, we need to update? You ever had that? And then you click the button and this little blue bar starts moving across the bottom of your computer. You ever seen that? And it gives you a status report, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 percent. I want to tell you this morning that the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life is like that little blue bar running across your computer. For we inherited a sin nature, meaning we were separate from God because we are children of Adam. And through our baptism and our belief in Christ, a regeneration or a reformatting of the hard drive has begun to take place. God is making progress as he updates us. The thing about it is when the update's finished, you don't see it. It doesn't appear on your desktop. It doesn't appear anywhere. It's done at a level that's down deep in the soul of your computer, and you can't see it. You can only monitor its progress. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Some of us started the update, and the blue screen of death came on, and we had to reboot the whole computer all over again. Truthfully, truthfully, the best work of the Holy Spirit is done at a level that we don't even consciously realize is happening. John Wesley spoke often of the direct witness of the Holy Spirit to our soul, but as he spoke about such things, he was not talking about the conscious witness of the Holy Spirit. The deepest work of the Holy Spirit is changing us at a level that I think if we were conscious of it would frighten us to death. Rooting out sin. Converting us. It's left for us to experience the indirect witness of the Holy Spirit. And for those at the Pentecostal end of the pool, the indirect witness of the Holy Spirit comes forth as praying in tongues or speaking in other languages or performing some kind of miraculous signs. And all across the church, the indirect witness of the Holy Spirit, the indirect evidence of it working in our lives down there, converting our hard drive. It comes out in different ways in different parts of the church, but there is one place that we can look where you can see its work. It's in the overall arc of our lives across the 40-year journey or the 50-year journey, or the 60-year journey? Are you seeing yourselves? Do I see myself? Exhibiting more joy, more peace, more patience, and long-suffering? Am I slower to anger? Is the love of God being shed abroad in my whole being? My more patient with the people around Has the old sin self begun to recede and the new spiritual Christ-like man begun to emerge? Often in our lives, that Holy Spirit's work takes a lifetime to complete itself. But there is progress along the way, and that becomes the indirect evidence that the Spirit's so yeah, we're going to stumble from time to time. We'll forget on occasion. 
and the Spirit come and bring us back to the fold and remind us. Remind us again and again. You belong to God. You are extraordinary in His eyes. He loves you so much. Even whole churches can't forget from time to time that we're not doing this for God. We're doing it with God. And when a church learns to lean into the Holy Spirit, to receive that which is God, God is given, it multiplies the Spirit's work. So yeah, when the Spirit has finished its work in us, you're going to see us feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, housing the homeless, doing all the other things that all the charitable organizations do. But we do so with an inexhaustible source of living power. 